0: The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. I think one of the secrets of life, uh, I really believe this, I think one of the secrets of life is, Is really one of the worst kept secrets of all, is that is just how insecure all of us are. And I mean all of us, I mean every single one of us. We're just a bunch of insecure people walking around. But the tricky thing about insecurities is it's the one thing that you can't let people know that you have. Because by its very nature, by the very nature of it being an insecurity, you can't share it with anybody. You can't let them see because you're concerned. So I, I, this is one of my little insecurities is I have a, I have a thing about, I have a fear a personal fear that I'm going to have body odor that people around me are going to be able to smell, and so I'm always, I'm always thinking Well, I say always is always somewhere in the back of my mind. And is there some sort of odor that I'm giving off that kind of smell? But you don't want to ask somebody because it's, if they tell you yes, then all your your worst fear is realized. And I don't. So so it's sort of this sort of constant like feedback loop where I I don't really want to know, but I need to know, but I don't want to know, and so it's just constantly building up a sort of a small insecurity. And all of us have little like things about that, but that's just the, the surface. It's the ones that get down to the deep and core of who we are and how we think about who we are that really gets us. The really tender and close place to who we are, where we p- place our, our sort of sense of identity and value in those things, those very deepest insecurities. And if I let people know uh, just how insecure I am about this, or I'm afraid that it's going to be true, maybe I really don't matter, Maybe I'm really not that good. Maybe I'm really not that loved. Maybe people really don't like me. I don't want to ask people if they like me or not because I just really really don't want to know if they don't. And it's very interesting to me that this passage, of all passages, because frankly, and we can be honest here, uh, none of us here is like super holy man or super holy woman. Uh, it, when you start, if you have ever tried to start a Bible reading plan, and you start in Genesis, uh, there's some really crazy stuff that happens there and it's got your attention. But then you start to realm and you get the beginning of Exodus and it's kind of cool, but this is the part. That all of us have bogged down in our Bible reading if we're trying to read through right, right now. Exodus 28 and 29, where it's talking about the priests and how they are consecrated and what their clothes are made of and how they are supposed to go about their job. Like well, like some part of us knows that it was probably either was important or is important, but I just don't understand. It doesn't seem very applicable to me. But here's my thesis this morning as we're looking at Exodus twenty-eight and twenty-nine. My thesis is that this passage, the passage is teaching about the ephod or the robe that the priest is wearing and how it should be made and his breastplate and the turban that he wears on his head and how he used to be consecrated as a priest, that that actually has to do not just about the arcane way that the Jews worshiped uh, God back in the day, but it has to do directly with your and my sense of insecurity. And you are my sense of identity and value and worth. It's a very important passage. See, what's happening in the book of Exodus, and we'll just kind of reset the series for a second here, is that the, the very basic set of the story is God, from the very beginning of creation, has been making for himself a people. A people that would be his people, that he could dwell with and be so united closely to that it was almost like there's no difference You know those kind of friends that you have? Like there's some people that are kind of acquaintances and then there are people that are friends and then you're like, if you're a dude, you call them your buds, your buddies. That they know you, they get you. You identify with each other. Hopefully you have a marriage or a romantic relationship where you get each other closely enough that you sort of identify with each other. There's sort of, uh, Even though you're, there's a difference in personality, you're so closely identified with each other, there's no separation. That's the kind of relationship God pictured having with his people. He had called for himself a people that he would dwell with and be so closely united with that he would even dwell in them and among them. It would be his people, his people that he could reveal his glory or his beauty. God's glory, if you've ever heard that word, is when God goes public with his beauty and his character, his, uh, his magnificence. It's when God goes public with that, he could share his glory with. And not only could he share his glory with, but he could share his glory through So the rest of creation, the other people around them would see how glorious and beautiful and wonderful and amazing God is by seeing his special people that he dwelled with and in. The problem God has, and we've already talked about it this morning, is that we are sinners. It happened back in the garden, but you and I have our responsibility in it. Every single person. Every single person across the planet that we were made by God and made for God have chosen rebellion rather than allegiance to God. God is holy and wonderful and amazing and pure, and you and I are terrorists. That's who you and I are at our very nature. There's probably nobody in our culture that's more hated or loathed or feared right now than terrorists for good reason. But that's exactly what you and I are to the reign of God. We're people who chose to go our own way, to run our own rules, and to try to overthrow the rule of Almighty God. Sometimes it looks innocent, and sometimes it looks nefarious, but no matter how we go about it, that's exactly who you and I are. So here's God's problem. He's trying to make for himself a people, but yet he has a people who, who are all, every single one of them, terrorists. Scripture describes us as each of us going into our own way whatever seems right unto each of us. So what is he gonna do? A holy, pure, amazing God and a bunch of just sinful terrorists who he made for his glory. What's he gonna do? There's a separation there. And so what he did in Jesus Christ is he sent a great high priest. We're talking about priests this morning. And the job of a priest in the the nation of Israel or other times is to be the go-between between between God and man. So the priest's job that they're setting up here in uh, in Exodus 28 and 29, excuse me, and further on, is the priest's job because God's presence dwelt in the tabernacle. Jonathan dealt with that last week. It's where his presence was in and among his people. The priest's job was to be the go-between. To see, all right, all right, God wants to unite us to Him and us be His special people, but He has to have somebody, something that bridges that gap between God and man. And so the priest would, because He was a human, could represent man to God. Because He had been set apart unto God and cleansed and robed and anointed and sprinkled with the blood, He could be, represent God back to the people. And so the priest's job was to go before God in the tabernacle and offer the sacrifices there that would satisfy the wrath of God against the terrorists that you and I are, to be the go-between. But each ram, each bull, each goat that they sacrificed was only delaying the wrath of God upon us terrorists who are apart from him. It was only delaying the inevitable. It was a stopgap, but it was only a stopgap. You guys know what a stopgap is, right? It's when when your refrigerator shelf breaks and so you duct tape it and you know like, hey, that's not gonna last forever, but we'll go with that for now. It's it's when something's not quite working right in the car and you find a a work, I had a car one time and uh, and there was a knob that I couldn't get to and so I used like a, a, uh, like a set of pliers to turn the volume on and off. Like, I know like that's gonna work for a while, but it's not a permanent solution. That's what the sacrifice of blood and the animals was for God and meant between man and God. And what he did is he sent in one person a once-for-all priest and a once-for-all sacrifice in Jesus. A priest in that he was a human being so he could represent you and me, us terrorists, to God. But yet he was holy because he was the son of God and without sin. The sacrifice in that he willingly gave himself up on the cross to be brutally killed and suffering, immense suffering, to take the punishment that you and I deserved as terrorists on our behalf. The great high priest and the great sacrifice once for all. That's what this section is pointing to. Exodus 28, 29 is going through detail and you should read it and look at it. It's full of really cool, infinitely cool detail to go through. The purpose that it was setting up, it was setting up for us to know that we needed a priest who stood between us and God. But here's some news I have for you that happened once the high priest and the great sacrifice Jesus Christ stood between God and man and took the penalty once for all that we deserved. Is not only was he the high priest and the sacrifice, but if you're a believer in Christ today, if you're a Christian, it's not just a set of beliefs that you believe it's not just a kind of church that you belong to. If you believe in Jesus Christ and put your faith and trust in him today and have made him your Lord and Savior, confess him to be the Lord and Savior of all the earth, of all creation, then you have been made a priest. And your appointment as a priest Comes with every single bit of dignity, every much dignity, every bit as much privilege, every bit as much pomp and weight as we see this ceremony that happens in Exodus 28 and 29 to make Aaron and his sons the priests for Israel. God called the people to, out of Egypt and in the wilderness before we get to this part. He says, I've called you to be a kingdom of priests. In 1 Peter 2.9, he says, as he's talking about the church, he's talking about you and me as believers in Christ. He says, well, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You have been set apart and made a priest. Because here's the beautiful truth. If you're a believer in Christ today, there is now no longer a need for a sacrifice to pay for your penalty, and there is no person who stands between you and the presence of God himself no one, that in the tabernacle, these priests made sacrifice for the people who were out sitting around the tabernacle, hoping that the priests made sufficient sacrifice for their sins, but they were outside of the tabernacle. But you, if you're a Christian, you've been brought into direct communication with God himself. There is no go-between between you and him. God's purpose throughout history and in your salvation is to make you a priest, a person who has unfettered access to God Himself. Do you sometimes feel, and you don't have to raise your hand or nod or anything, because I think we would all answer this, but do you sometimes feel too dirty to be a Christian? Do you sometimes feel too sinful and too stupidly forgetful? Like, like we were talking about this morning in confession, like you just wake up and you can go through a day or days with hardly or not thinking about God at all, or just doing your own thing, and then one day you wake up like, what have I been doing? And you have to come back to God again. And you think, man, he's got to be getting tired of this because I'm getting tired of this sort of yo-yo action back and forth. Do you sometimes feel like you're a second-class Christian? Like there are Christians in the church or the world around you. Like that's a first class Christian. You guys know those people, right? Carried the big Bibles. We're sitting in small group. They have all the answers. They like to sit on the front row. Millers or, (laughs) you know, they're they're early to set up for church. They're they're committed. Like you know those people, the first class Christians, right? Do you sometimes feel second class? Do you sometimes feel like you're underqualified to help other people? When it comes time to serve or to, you see somebody in need, another believer, somebody who doesn't know Jesus, and you're just not sure if you're qualified to be the person to talk with them or to pray with them or to help them, either because you don't know what to do or because you're afraid because you know what you did last week or last night or this morning and you're thinking, I'm not the right person. Every believer has been made a priest as dramatically as Aaron and his sons. And this is, should be encouragement to us. It means, one, a priest is set apart. It means, secondly, a priest goes into the presence of God. And it's, thirdly, it means a priest goes out to the people. We're gonna talk about what this means for you and me this morning, to be priests to God, a priest who's set apart, a priest who goes into the presence of God, and a priest who goes out to the people. First of all, a priest is set apart. You know what that means if you're a believer in Christ, you've been made a priest unto God? It means, first of all, that you are cleansed. We see that with Aaron and his sons in this passage. Uh, in, Exodus, in chapter 29, at the very beginning, it talks about how they were made prepared to be priests. It says the first thing that Moses was told to do to them is it uh, says, wash them. And not because they had body odor like I'm afraid, like I'm gonna have, or they were dirty, but as ceremonially that, that to signify that you and I as terrorists need to be cleansed in order to come in the presence of a holy God. And they were physically cleansed as, a, as signifying that they were getting ready to go into the presence of God. And if you are a believer in Christ today, no matter what you have done, no matter what you're doing right now, no matter what even you plan to do when you leave here today, you have been cleansed. You have been washed. You have been made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. He had come to cleanse you of your guilt not only of, the, of the, what you have done, but even your sense of guilt in your conscience itself. He has come and he has washed you and he's made you clean. No matter what you have done, no matter how far you've run, no matter who you have mistreated, no matter what you have done, from the smallest sinner to the greatest sinner, you have been cleansed. You have been made clean. There is no believer in Christ who is more clean than you this morning in God's eyes. There's no, like, uh, Megan and I had this deal uh, that if one of us cooks, the other person washes the dishes. And, and you know, there's, like, there's sort of like, after you cook, there's some spots in, like, I, I try to be really good at it, but there's some spots in the pot that just does, never comes quite clean again. You know, either the macaroni and cheese burnt or you this whatever. and You just can't get that spot clean, cleaned. You can't get it away. There's no spot on you or on your record that's even a hint or a shadow left that's insufficient for the blood of Christ to cleanse you in God's eyes and to even cleanse your conscience. God's not sitting around saying, I've saved them in spite of this, what they have done. God has wiped it totally Clear, He bore the guilt upon the cross and it is sufficient to cleanse you of all of your sins. Not only that you have done the past, but that you will do in the future. There's no sin that you do that surprises him. That's not a license for us to go and do whatever we want to. It should be a weight upon us. To say, no matter what I've done, no matter how I'm going to trip up or purposely trip myself up when I leave here today, he has got it covered. And he saved me, not only in spite of it, but because I needed it to be covered and cleansed. He has cleansed you, not only like he did Aaron and his sons, but greater than he did Aaron and his sons because theirs was simply a ceremonial wash. Yours is a real, spiritual, deep wash that has taken full effect. You have been washed, but it also means that you have been covered. After the priests were washed, they were then, God had given them very detailed instructions on how to make the, the robe and the ephod which is the thing they would wear over themselves and the breastplate and the turban and a, a plate that would be on the front of the turban said holy unto God that even the underclothes that he would gave them directions on how to make all of it together and they covered them and clothed them in these special clothes that was set apart for the priesthood and if you are in Christ today no matter who you are no matter what you have done you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ that you did not earn yourself. Galatians 3.27 tells us that you have been clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. That shows a dignity and an honor that he bestowed upon the priests, that he bestows upon you. He didn't just cleanse you and not like, give you a fresh start now go out again he clothed you with his very clothes of righteousness you are in robes of honor that have been bestowed upon you you didn't earn them just like Aaron he didn't earn them he didn't make them god chose Aaron to be his priest and his sons to be the priests after them not because of anything that they had done he never says hey here's how awesome Aaron is I'm going to make him a priest in fact, right after God makes him the priest, we're going see him in the next couple weeks, right after God makes him his priest, he goes and does the unspeakable, and he, he just goes with the people and he creates a, a golden calf for them to worship, this priest of God. We adopted my son uh, Landon a couple years ago, and when he came to us, he came to us with these raggedy clothes on and they brought all his possessions in a couple of plastic trash bags. They brought his toys, some really ratty, terrible-looking toys. that I don't even know if they were his. They brought some new toys that they had just thrown in there that somebody had obviously just donated. He had some clothes that, were, that he was wearing that were just smelly and raggedy, and he had some clothes in there that looked like they came from, I have no idea where they came from. And the thing that I first wanted to do for Landon, I had this, as of his new, hope, hoping to be his new father, I wanted to take all this clothes off of him and out of that bag and burn them and bestow our clothes upon him. Not because we were better, but because I wanted to show him the dignity and honor that came from being a part of our household, not being a forgotten child anymore, and you have been clothed by Christ. You are not a forgotten child. He has placed his clothes of dignity and honor upon you. You know what that means for your frailties and your failures? It doesn't minimize them, but it maximizes what it took to get you clothed. It doesn't minimize what you've done or what you will do. It maximizes what Christ has done, the lengths that God has gone to to clothe you in his own righteousness. It took his son coming. It took the second person that God had, emptying himself and sacrificing himself for you and for me. It took a reordering, and we don't even understand, and maybe this is tricky theological language, but it took a reordering of the Trinity. Now the second person, the Godhead, is now a is somehow, and we don't understand how it all works, but is now a human being sitting at the right hand of God. We don't understand how that works, how at some point in eternity history, which you can't even say, it was, that it was different, and then he became a human, and now... Or, A human being, the perfect God-man, Jesus Christ, is sitting at the right hand of the Father. It took a reordering of heaven for you to be a child of God, to be clothed with his righteousness. You know what that means? That means that all of your life is set apart to God. All of your life. Because if you have been cleansed and you have been covered, you've been set apart to be his child, to be a priest unto God, it means that all of your life is set apart to God. It's all holy to him. You what know, that means, that means there's no se- sacred, secular divide. His rule is over all of life for you and me. All of my life is set apart to God. That means my not just like when I read the Bible or I, when I come to church, but it means my family and how I relate to my family, my parents and my siblings and my children and my All of my family, it's now how I relate to them is set apart to God, is holy unto God. I'm a priest in those situations. It means my romantic life is set apart to God. It means means sex itself is set apart to God, it's a holy thing to God, how I treat it, what I do with it. It means that work in your career is set apart to God. It means that rest is set apart to God. We're gonna talk about that next week. It means your very recreation is set apart to God. There's no part of your life that isn't set apart to him, isn't his. The way you and I play and have fun is set apart to God. When I, play Candy Land on, when I played Candyland on Friday night, I played as a priest with my children. When I take a few minutes, uh, I like to take a few minutes to myself. Uh, I call it my, my paperwork, my personal time when, I, when I'm in the bathroom every day. Whenever I'm on the, when I'm on the my phone and I'm playing whatever game or whatever I'm doing in there, that's set apart to God. It's all his. I'm a priest to God even there. But Aaron and his sons weren't just set apart. They had jobs to do. Because a priest isn't just set apart, a priest goes into God's presence. This amazing story in Exodus, which it is an amazing story that God saved his people out of Egypt and the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and the going through and the Mount Sinai and the thunder and the lightning and the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God and coming down and he breaks them and he goes back up and he gets another set and there's the golden calf and then all the amazing things that, that we see and read in the book of Exodus. It's nothing if it's not true that God's presence was, he was building a people for him to dwell in the midst of his people. If his presence isn't there, it's nothing. And all of this that we're doing this morning, the getting up on the Sunday morning and the coming to church and the setting up with the pipes and drapes and the lights and the band practicing and the band playing and the classes and the coffee and all of it is nothing if God's presence doesn't dwell at the heart of every believer if there isn't a living, pulsating God at the center of all creation, if this isn't about uniting us to a living God, then all of this is not only a waste of time, but we in this room are to most to be pitied because we got up early on a Sunday morning and wasted our time and are believing something that's just a fable and not real. But if there is a living, pulsating God of all creation who revealed himself through Jesus Christ to you and me at the center of all things, then it changes everything. And if you are a believer in Christ, you have been made a priest unto God, separated and set apart to him so that you can go into the presence of God, unfettered. Nobody standing between you and him. If it is true, then that's what we are made for. And it's what you and I spend all our waking hours working towards, no matter what it is you think you're working towards. It might be your career, it might be a relationship, it might be to have an awesome body so people of the opposite sex like recognize you. It might be... It might be uh, possessions. It might be whatever it might be, collecting as many friends or likes or shares on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever you're on. And whatever it is, that's what you and I are actually working towards, everything that we're doing. To be united to the living God. That's what we spend our sleeping hours dreaming of. It's the core of all dreams. A priest has direct access to the presence of God. No one stands between you. Because of the sacrifice on Christ, of Christ, nobody stands between you and God. No one. Can you imagine what that would mean? What kind of power would you have? What kind of privilege would you have if you had direct access to the President of the United States? Direct access. You don't have to make an appointment You don't have to call ahead. You walk straight in and ask him, tell him what you need. Chat with him. See how his day's going. Let him know how your day's going. What if you had direct access to Bill Gates? You could just walk in, call him at any time and talk with him, tell him, let him know, here's what I'm doing, here's what I need, here's what's going on. What kind of privilege would you have? What kind of position would you have? What could you accomplish with your life? That's the kind of access that you have directly to the creator of heaven and earth if you're a believer in Christ. Unfettered, unfiltered, direct access, no appointment necessary, no stand between, no holy man or holy woman standing between you and him. Your prayer, every much as effective as Billy Graham's or Mother Teresa's or anybody else's, even Dale's. Not only does it mean that no one stands between you and God, it means no thing stands between you and God. Nothing, nothing that happens, nothing that will happen, nothing that you have done or anybody else has done to you can stop you or block you from direct access to the creator of heaven and earth. Nothing. No one, no thing. A priest has direct access to God, but then a priest's job is to worship. That was his job to do, was to worship. We say our mission statement is to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with our whole lives. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're working towards personally and as a church. And what that means is that that. As I see that all of my life has been set apart to God and have direct access to him, then I behold him. I see him in his beauty and his glory. I see what he has done for me in Christ. I see what he did for me yesterday. I see what he's doing for me today. I see what he's did in my marriage and in my kids' lives and in my family and my finances and at work. I see him at work. I behold him and I respond. That's what worship is, is beholding and responding. And as a priest, you have direct access to God. You get to see Him in His character and His beauty. You get to see Him show up for you day in and day out in ways that you cannot imagine. You get to see Him at work. You behold Him and you respond accordingly. That's what worship is. I'm a Clemson fan. I behold them. Score a touchdown, and I respond appropriately as a Clemson fan. Nobody has to tell me to cheer or to what I should do in response. It spontaneously happens. And if you behold God at at work in your heart and life, in you and around you, you respond. You cannot help but respond. That's what worship is. You and I as a priest, our job is to worship, but it's not a job like somebody has to write it down on a piece of paper, this is my job description. It's my job, and sort of like cheering for a touchdown. It's my job as a Clemson fan, I can't help it. It's just the natural response. This honor and glory is for you if you are a believer in Christ. But here's the truth the heavy and awesome truth this morning, but it can't be done for you. Others can go into the presence of God, experience what, a life with him and come out and tell you what they have seen and heard and felt, but they can't make you experience it. You can't experience it through anybody else. There's no amount of preaching or teaching or reading or community groups that can cause you to experience that kind of life yourself, but you have access. Our question this morning is, will you quench your longing soul directly from the endless fountain of Christ? You have direct access to him if you're a believer in Christ. And if you're not a believer, you can have access this morning. You can be made a priest unto God, a believer, of Christ, a son or daughter of the most high God. And brought into direct access with him. By acknowledging your need for him, his sacrifice on your behalf, confessing him as Lord. You can be reborn this morning. At this very moment, it could be happening in your heart. But will you take advantage of it? You have a high calling and position. Will you take advantage of it? Will you enter? Or will you stand out outside just milling about, wishing you could go in or wishing somebody would come out and tell you what it's like? You can experience that kind of life living in the presence of God in direct communion with the creator of heaven and earth yourself. A priest goes into the presence of God. But that's not where the priest's responsibilities ended. A priest was set apart to God. A priest went into the presence of God. Then the priest went out to the people, or a priest goes out to the people. So the priest was, Aaron and his sons, they were They were washed, then they were clothed, and then it says they were anointed. They took some oil and they put it on their foreheads as an anointing to signify that they were not only set apart to God, but they were set apart for service to the people. And you, as a believer in Christ, have been anointed or set apart to service on behalf of God and his people. The anointing, it means, what that means is that means that when you are born again by the Spirit of God, His Spirit comes to dwell in you and among you, and you are anointed for service for God. You go into the presence of God in your daily life, but you go out of His service to the people around you, and you represent Him to the people, but you bring his presence himself to the people around you. And what that means is that means that all of your life is on mission. Not only is all of your life set apart to God, but it means that all of your life is on mission. It means that you as a priest of God carry the presence of God into your workplace, into your family, into your neighborhood, his very presence, the presence of God, goes with you to those places, so that the people around you can see and experience what it means to know the Most High God, to be around Him, to sp- experience through you His character and the way that you treat them, and the way that you talk, to experience a uh, sort of a even a even a spiritual sort of hard to identify way in a very but a very real way to experience His presence with you. When, these, when, God's, when Jesus' disciples, who were mostly unlearned men, they were fishermen, sort of like kind of nobodies in this culture. After he rose again and his spirit came to dwell upon them and things started to get turned upside down, the church was birthed and people were coming to Christ and the, things were going crazy, the, the leaders of the area called them in and they interviewed them. And you know what they concluded at the end of their interview? They said, these are unlearned men, which is a nice way to say, these guys are kind of ignorant. They're not very smart. But they said, they have been with Jesus. There's something that's hard to quantify about a person who's been with Jesus. A person who spent time communing with the Most High God through that direct access. There's a sweetness that pervades their conversation, their very presence. There's an intentionality about the way they do things that sets them apart, that shows people they might be ignorant, they may not know a lot of stuff, but they've been with God. And that can be your and my testimony to the people around us. They may not know a lot. That person's been with God. And that's the kind of access that you have to go in and then to go out on mission. That means that you intercede for the people to God. You, you, as a priest, you can go to God and pray for the people around you that do not know him or who are in trouble around you and intercede to him and see him move on their behalf but then it means that you present God to the people. It means you present his word to the people around you. It means you present his sacrifices, as the priest did. You say Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and you present his presence in a very real way to the people around you. If you are a believer in Christ, or you become one this morning, no saint in the Bible is more privileged than you are. Aaron and his sons that go through this elaborate uh, uh, ceremony that bestows dignity and honor upon them, they are no more privileged than you are. Moses himself is no more privileged than you are. No disciple, no apostle. The apostle Paul himself is no more privileged than you are as a believer in Christ today. You've been made a priest. Do you hear that this morning? Do you live like that? Have you accepted that? I hope you're encouraged by that. We can live a holy, set apart, sacramental, sanctified that means to be set apart to God life as priests. Set apart, going into the presence of God, and then going out on mission. That's what our call to do. That is awesome. It doesn't depend upon you or me. It's a privilege that's bestowed by God himself. I'm gonna pray and the band's gonna come up and they're gonna lead us in a moment of reflection for about a minute, minute and a half. Just give you a chance to stop and where you are, say, God, where are you speaking to me this morning? Where are you leading me this morning? How do I need to respond to you this morning? Maybe it's just in your heart you need to become a believer this morning. If you'd like to have somebody talk with you or pray with you, look around and find somebody. Maybe it's just like, hey, I need to make these changes in order to respond to the privilege that God has placed upon me as a priest in the presence of God and with the presence of God. Whatever it is, I pray you would, or maybe it's just to stop and thank God. Thank you for what you have done and make me a priest to you this morning. I often forget it, but you have set me apart. You have given me direct access to your presence and you send me out on mission. God, help me to respond to that this morning. Father, I thank you so much for, the truth that we've been set apart, given direct access, and then sent out on mission as priests to God, a privileged position, an honor. Father, I pray that you would help us to respond appropriately this morning in humility and gratefulness, worship to you for your glory and for our joy.